welcome to the Clairon Podcast. In this series, The Narc Behind the Educator, I and fellow narcissism educators discuss and share our own personal journeys with the narcissist and narcissistic abuse in our own lives. Hi, Leon. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Claire. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been really looking forward to talking to you and getting some of your perspective. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you are a self-aware narcissist. Yeah. So when they started calling it that, I don't know, people say it. I never called myself that, but I'm aware because I've had therapy through my diagnosis. <laughs> After the diagnosis, I had my therapy. So yeah, but people call themselves self-aware. I just don't, I don't have a problem with them saying that. I just never call myself that. But when people say it, I'm cool with it. Okay, so what would you call yourself? Like I, just a narcissist? Yeah, because I will always have the personality disorder. It just doesn't go away. So yeah. I'm somebody that, that I am aware of through clarity, awareness, and only through talk therapy. I'm aware of why I was the way that I was and where it came from. So before, I didn't mm -hmm. know why I was acting where I was acting. I had no idea where it came from. I didn't know. So I was always did you always? So yeah. Did you always feel like you were different? Did you feel like there was something different about you growing up? Yeah, I knew yeah. as a kid, but I didn't know that I was going to be ultimately become diagnosed as a narcissist. I knew something was off about me. I knew that mm -hmm. I didn't connect with everybody. I knew that my emotions were erratic, off. I knew that I was dysfunctional. I knew these things when I was probably seven or eight. I knew that I was different. And so other people right. knew that I was different, but I didn't know why. Because, you know, the, the neglect and abuse starts in our childhood. But I didn't mm -hmm. know what was happening to me through the neglect. And I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel like your childhood really impacted the way that you are today? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because what happened was... I used to pee in the bed. I didn't like taking showers, which most little boys are, I guess. I stopped brushing my mm -hmm. teeth. Mm -hmm. I was very fearful. I cried mm -hmm. a lot. I yeah. saw a lot of violence. I mm -hmm. liked animals. I didn't like okay. certain people. I was afraid of certain people. I was afraid of girls. I was afraid of women. Because I okay, felt why like they that? were going to dominate me. They were going to take me. Away. Well, because mm -hmm. the first people that molested um, me were my female cousins. Okay. And so, and then my female babysitter mm -hmm. and then okay. watching porn, I was like into women. And then I started liking my mother's female friends. So my emotional IQ was very low, but it was always attached to women. And then when I got older, mm -hmm. it started twisting and turning that I wanted to, instead of liking women, I wanted to like them and hurt them. So I was struggling with that push pull type of emotion. Yeah, you say that you wanted to like them and hurt them. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so what happens is 90% of the perpetrators, when people are molested and raped and stuff like that, 90% of the perpetrators are people that you know or that you're supposed yeah. to love. Yeah. So mine were my cousins, my babysitter, mm -hmm. and my mother. So my mother discarded me after I was molested by my cousins. So mm -hmm. I had females in my family that were always hurting me or taking advantage of me and then pushing me around and leaving me. So yeah. my mom, when divorced my dad, that was a discard in me. And then I mm -hmm. was like emotionally detached from, I, I, was de I was emotionally detached when I was much younger, probably mm -hmm. seven or eight. Easy. Okay. And then wow. I liked my cousins. My cousins were my first love. So mm -hmm. my my visions and thoughts of love was 
skewed at an early age. So I never recovered from that. I never corrected it because I should have had, I should have gotten therapy when I was probably five or six. Wow. Yeah. So from age of five to 11, I was touched. I was abused. I was molested and I was discarded. So mm-hmm. I could have been a, molest- a child molester, but I'm not. I, I was molested. Yeah. I could have been a rapist, but I'm not. I've never raped anybody. I could have been mm-hmm. a murderer because I wanted to kill people in my mm-hmm. family for touching me. But I yeah. ultimately became a cheater, mm-hmm. a serial dater, very okay. promiscuous and narcissistic. So tell me about as you started to get into your teenage years and you started to date, like what did your early relationships look like? So my earlier relationships, I was afraid of girls, but I liked girls. And then girls like me, but I did only thing I knew how to do with girls was kiss and touch and have sex. I didn't know how to court them. I didn't know how to date. And so whatever they said is what I did. Whatever they said is what we did. So they were controlling me. They were dominating me. Um, It was good. It was fun. But I started realizing, like, I'm supposed to be in charge. I'm not supposed to be bossed around by girls. I'm not supposed Mm -hmm. to be told what to do. But from, like, ages... 13 to probably 17, I was okay with them leading me and, and dominating me because it was mm-hmm. dominating me through sex, through yeah. sexual advances, through touch. And mm-hmm. so I was okay with being submissive sexually to a woman, but then I felt, I didn't feel like I was a man. Yeah. And so that was another time for me to change and to take control. And then I started dominating them through sex, through touch, through kissing. And it was always physical for me. It wasn't like I didn't relate to women on an emotional level. I didn't relate to women on an intimate level. I didn't relate to women uh, stimulating their mind. I didn't relate to them mentally. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was through sex. It was through touch. It was through porn. And so Mm -hmm. my relationships were all shallow. And it wasn't based on anything as far as commitment, long-term, longevity, staying power. My relationships weren't based on anything solid or strong. And so hence mm-hmm. my serial dating and cheating. Yeah. And now you see more of my, my narcissism starting to come out because I was avoiding, I had avoided issues. I had emotion. I was emotionally detached. I had those issues, but I didn't get diagnosed until my twenties. So I was starting to live that life in my teens before I was even diagnosed. Wow. You show such incredible personal insight and accountability. Yeah, because for so long, I had the personal insight. I knew what was going on. I didn't probably, I didn't know what was going on until I was probably like 18. Mm-hmm. And so then it was too late. It was, it was time. It was too late to say, oh, I want to fix this. I want to correct this because I d- didn't want to correct it because now I'm more safe and secure with me. So yeah. my detachment for empathy was around 17 or 18. It started early, but when I realized what it was and how I could benefit from not caring, mm-hmm. it made me feel safer. And I, didn't, I wasn't in survival mode anymore. Yeah. So if I'm going to meet a, and all of my issues were based around women, all of them. And then yeah. it started like when I became a leader in the Navy, being, um, having that grandiose mindset. Now, mm-hmm. over narcissist people are very overbearing, overpowering, right? Outgoing very social, very competitive, verbally abusive, all of those things. And yeah. so I started 
grabbing those traits and I started growing into this person and I started liking who I become because I knew since I was so aware personally who I was as a child, I didn't want to go back to being that little boy that was bullied, that was forgotten yeah. about, that was sent to live with other people, that was molested. Yeah. So I created Leon yeah. and it, it worked for me. And I thought that it was the right thing to do because I didn't see anything wrong with me as most narcissist people don't think there's any yeah. wrong with, anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So you describe an incredibly traumatic childhood and even adolescence. Did you have any escape? Did you find safety in anything when you were growing up? The safety I found was in, I started boxing and then I started learning how to punch. Okay. Then it felt good to hurt people. Mm. So I didn't have, I didn't have to work about people harming me physical, physically. I had already mm. figured out that, oh, these women are controlling and dominating me. So now I got to learn them better than they know themselves. So yeah. mentally and sexually, I was, I was safe. And then I became mm -hmm. safe physically by learning how to box. I wasn't like a physically abusive guy, but some, a lot of narcissistic people are very, can be violent. Like the malignant, mm -hmm. malignant narcissist can be violent. Absolutely. I can be verbally abusive. I can be violent, but I'm not. I choose not to because I had other means to make myself feel superior to other people. So I didn't have to mm -hmm. like choke anybody down and punch anybody. So that yeah. was my, my safety zone was knowing how to fight and then being smart enough to know how to manipulate people and get what I want. And it was wrong, you know? So you kind of became safe by becoming dangerous. Exactly. And I like the way yeah. you put that because I, that you, could, you couldn't put it any better. I became mm -hmm. safe by becoming dangerous. And the, the, yeah. so it's twofold. That's twofold because the more dangerous I have become, I started attracting other women too. Because mm -hmm. women like bad yeah. boys. They like bad yeah. guys. A nice guy finishes yeah. fast. And so you're right. When I became, I became more safer as I became more dangerous. And then yeah. I became more worldly because I was in the military now, traveling mm -hmm. all over the world, been to Singapore, Australia, Thailand, everything. So I'm becoming worldly. I'm understanding yeah. more cultures. I'm dating other women outside of black women. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I became extremely more dangerous. Yes, that was a great way yeah. to put that. Yeah. How did you find Australia? Dude, well, 1987, <laughs> my ship, we went to Sydney, Brisbane, That's Darwin, where I am. Kansas, Australia. Yeah, I loved Australia. We had a great time. I was yeah. like 18 when I went yeah. there, and I think we went there again, and I was 21. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Tell me a little bit more about how being in the military kind of impacted your self-image and your behavior. Oh, yeah. So what happens is at 18 years old, you become a leader. They give you more responsibility. They give you more money. They give you um, more confidence. They give yeah. you more self-esteem because you have to mm -hmm. grow up and be a man. The more you drank, yeah. the more popular you were. You were. Mm -hmm. The more you womanized women, the more you were womanized, the more popular you were. The more yeah. you fought, the more popular you were. The more money yeah. you had, the more money you saved, the more you yelled at people, the more popular you were. So it turned mm -hmm. me into, and I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of narcissistic people in the military because- Yeah, they gravitate they, towards like, those roles. Yeah, so like entertainment and athletes, the military, mm -hmm. they put you in a position to succeed. They put you in a position to be, uh, to, to need to have your ego stroke. They put you in a position mm -hmm. to have a big ego by getting awarded yeah. and rewarded and then by, beginning, by getting advanced and promoted to getting to higher ranking. You move mm -hmm. up, you get yeah. more money, you get more yeah. people, you get more prestige, right? Mm -hmm. You get more followers. Oh, yeah. And so 
that just paid into my ego. And then when I became like, oh, wow, this is easy. So I can be this guy in the Navy. I can be a leader. I'm getting awarded. Mm -hmm. I'm sailor of the year. I'm ranked number one. It was all egotistical stuff. Um, But it's a great setup. It's a great structure. I had discipline. I had structure. Mm -hmm. But it was also very, very dangerous, like you said. Yeah. How long were you in the military? 32 years. Wow. Okay. Did you have many long-term relationships I had during three. that period? So, okay. Yeah, two two or six-year relationships, and I was married for 12 years, but I wasn't committed mm-hmm. and I wasn't committed to anybody. I was yeah. I, I I got married to a beautiful woman. My wife is beautiful, she's very pretty, she's educated, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't even know how to be a husband. I married her because I didn't want anybody else to get her because I knew somebody was going to marry her. And I didn't yeah. want to regret the fact that, man, she got away. So I married her, but I wasn't ready to be married. Yeah. So two six-year relationships and one 12-year relationship that I walked away from all of them like... Man. Yeah. Do you think a true narcissist is ever like ready to be married? Well, what happens is they can be, but you have to be very careful with narcissistic people. Yeah. I have to be very careful with myself. Women have to be very careful with me because I can say, yeah, I, I'm ready to be married because I've gone mm-hmm. through therapy. But just because you go through therapy doesn't make you ready. I yeah. went through therapy, but even years, yeah, years after therapy, mm-hmm. I was still like not ready. And so yeah. it, therapy, what I learned in therapy, it didn't just click right away. Yeah. And so now, even before, before therapy, I never had fears of screwing up a relationship. I never had fears of breaking a woman's heart. I never had fears mm-hmm. of leaving a walk away. Never, never. Yeah. But see, now being more mature and knowing about my narcissism and having the clarity and awareness, mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt anybody. Because yeah. when things I did wrong, when it came, when the karma came back to me, I wasn't even afraid of the consequences through karma. I wasn't. Now yeah. I'm slow to react. I'm slow to get angry. I'm more like fair. Like, okay, you mm-hmm. know what? I did that. Why did I do that? But you said I didn't. I didn't compliment you. I thought I did. So yeah, instead of being offended, yeah, instead of being offended, now yep. I'm like, well, maybe I, I could have did better. So mm. now I'm not as shrewd or cruel. Before yeah. I was like, I didn't know. I what the hell are you talking about? I didn't do that. You not you lying? No, I would go off. Yeah, yeah. And so now it's like. Yeah, but it's still tough. It's hard. Mm. Uh, but the self-awareness can... doesn't necessarily mean change, right? Exactly. You're pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that I hear yeah. um, Lee Hammock say that like in almost every video. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Because everyone thinks, yeah. right, that once if they can get their narcissist to become self-aware, then they can change. Then self-awareness means change, and it doesn't. No, no it just means that you know, now what are you going to do with what you know? So through diagnosis, through therapy, now I know, like I said, it didn't just click right away in therapy. Mm -hmm. It was months and years. And so Mm -hmm. just because I was self-aware, became self-aware through therapy, doesn't mean, right, it doesn't mean that I'm changing, not at all. It's just that I know. And sometimes they become worse. It's like, okay, she said, you know, I have have avoidance issues. I have Mm -hmm. emotionally detached. Um, I get angry issue. I get angry fast. I don't like to be told mm-hmm. what to do. I don't like constructive criticism. Oh, oh well, the hell with it. I'm gonna stay this way. 
So either you can yeah. sit there and get better and at manipulating, talk about it, or you can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, one of the biggest motivators for change has to be empathy, caring about how you're affecting the other person, which right. is generally what's missing in the narcissism piece. What do right. you feel about that? How do you That's see true. empathy? Do you think you've gained empathy? So I gained the ability to understand why they have empathy and what it does to them to have empathy, mm-hmm. right? And so with me, it's like, I always felt, I felt like I would be vulnerable if I had empathy, but I see that people mm-hmm. that have empathy are not vulnerable. They're, 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 they're honest, right? They're open, mm-hmm. they're genuine. And I was like, okay, that's not too, because it was like fearful for me to connect with people that, and say like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, no, I was like, uh, no, no, no. I'd much rather yeah. shut down, avoid it, disappear, mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it, forget that it happened because it's like yeah. too much like painful to connect to emotions and feelings of someone that I hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I hurt you, it's because you deserve that because you did something to me to make me react like that to make you yeah. cry. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have to have anything because it's your fault. It's not my fault. And so I was yeah. like that in every situation, even mm-hmm. when I broke a girl's heart, even when I got caught cheating, even when we got divorced. Wasn't my fault. So now empathy is like, I understand how you feel. I felt that way before, but when I felt that way as a kid, I didn't want to feel that way, so I forgot about it. Yeah. I pushed it out, I suppressed it. Mm-hmm. And so now you feel that way, you should have blocked it out, you should have suppressed it, but because you're hurting, doesn't yeah. mean I have to hurt with you or for you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so that was my way of avoiding and detaching from it. Yeah, and because you became safe by becoming dangerous, the next step isn't going to be let's be vulnerable. It's literally the exact oh, opposite. Oh no, no, right? It's the act, <laughs> exactly. It's the, act, it's the yeah. exact opposite. So I was fine with that because mm-hmm. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Because I feel good. I feel mm-hmm. safe. You're crying. Mm-hmm. You're mad. Your feelings are hurt. You're emotional. Not me. It's yeah. all on you. So yeah, yeah. I, now it's like I don't have to think that way because I don't have to be guarded. And feel like I have to survive around everybody, you know? Yeah, 100%. So narcissistic relationships are kind of characterized by the relationship cycle of love, bombing, devaluation, discard, and sometimes a hoover. Do you feel like your relationships have followed this pattern? 100%. Because okay, tell me about the love is, bombing. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so love bombing is actually what I want, how I want you to see me. Mm. What I can do for you. How I can make you happy, how mm-hmm. good I am, how great I am, how good I look, whatever. The love bombing is um, it's quick, it's consistent, it's fast, and it's like mm-hmm. I have to hurry up and get her to like me because two months from now, she's not going to like me or she's going to notice that I don't really like her as much. And so mm-hmm. I want her to like me more than I like her. It has, mm-hmm. it has to be that way because narcissistic people do not like to be discarded. Do not, do not like to be left behind or left out or not knowing what's going on. They yeah. do not like to come second. They don't, they don't like not being in charge. They have to be top. They have to be superior. They have to be in the know of everything. And so mm-hmm. the love bombing, that's why I tell women, be careful what you tell a narcissistic man or woman because they're going to use it against you. I'm going oh, to yeah. be me. But if you tell me what you're not getting from your ex, I'm going to be him too. Yep. So these yep. are things that either I already know or I'm going to know and learn based on what you tell me. Then I'm going to turn around mm-hmm. and do it. You go, yeah. oh, my God, 
this is wonderful, and I haven't gotten this in three months. Or, man, your massages feel great. Or, I like the conversation. Or, you picked up the, the tab on the date. You picked the restaurant yep. to go to. Oh, you we mm-hmm. went walking on the beach. I've never done that before. Knowing darn yep. well, I didn't want to do those things. Right. But the love bombing, and then what happens is, narcissistic people have to get you so into them that when I do detach, I can detach, but you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. You don't show who you are until they're hooked. Yeah. You're going to wait. You're going to cry. You're going to wonder. You're going to call. You're going to text. You're going to follow me around. And then I'll come back and breadcrumb you, give you a little bit of what Mm -hmm. I gave you months before. You go, oh my God, this feels amazing. Thank Mm you. Yeah, this feels great. And then I'll leave again. Right? Then I come back. Then Mm -hmm. I devalue you. And you become, you fall deeper and deeper. Now, now you believe more in me than you believe in yourself. Because I mm-hmm. give you all of this stuff that I want to give you. I give you all yep. these things that your ex give you. And now you don't mm-hmm. want to go without it. Yeah. So you do and anything to really, me around. Yeah. And narcissists right, are really good. good at cultivating a sense of desperation in their partners. The leaving and coming back. Oh, yeah. Leaving and coming yeah. back. Yeah. 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 Because you know what? We are just as addicted to you that you are addicted to us. Because mm-hmm. I, in my mind, okay. I created you. So mm-hmm. you are my product. You are my creation. Mm-hmm. So I know the projection of perfection. You, exactly. Based mm-hmm. on what you told me, based on what I've done to you and for you, mm-hmm. um, because you weren't receiving this from your ex and now you're getting this from me and you're getting more. Mm-hmm. Now you are what I created. So I mm-hmm. like you because you're like my little toy. So when I leave, I'm coming back, but I'm not going to tell you I'll be back. I want you to think that I'm not coming back. So you go, my, yeah. you start having withdrawals. I become your drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's how it works. Um, so some, like narcissism exists, the self-awareness is on a continuum, right? Some narcissists say that they're not aware of the love bombing phase and that in that idealization phase, they genuinely feel like they've met this perfect person that's going to essentially save them from themselves. It sounds like you are very aware, though, during the love bombing phase. Yeah, so those people are more like the vulnerable people because they, they may be narcissistic, but guess what? They have to really rely on you, but they don't want to mm-hmm. tell you that, hey, I really need you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I might, they might, they might even tell you, I really want you. I have to have you. So those mm-hmm. are the more, so when narcissism first started, I think in the 80s, mm-hmm. it was the first group of people, one of my psychologist friends told me that they started labeling them as vulnerable. Yeah. And so when you get those that are vulnerable, mm-hmm. those are the ones that are going to be clingy. They're going mm-hmm. to need you. They're going to drain mm-hmm. you. They only see you. They don't see nobody else. For some mm-hmm. reason, you're special. For some reason, mm-hmm. they have to have you. For some reason, they connect to you. So mm-hmm. mine, I'm totally different. I'm not going to be like that because I had mommy issues. So I'm not going to be Mm-hmm. I want a woman in my life. I want a mother figure, but I'm not going to be clingy. So mm-hmm. my thing is being overt. I had to have a bunch of supplies around. Okay. So I was very yeah. greedy and very lustful and very mm-hmm. promiscuous. Mm-hmm. And were you quite aware of the manipulation and then the devaluing? Was it conscious? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because with me, okay. well, sometimes... I've never called it manipulation. I never wanted to hear mm. that word yeah. because I didn't know it was right. I didn't know if it was true or not. I knew it was wrong. Mm-hmm. 
but I didn't know if it was true. And then when it was like, well, you manipulated me, I'm like, how did I do that? But I was doing it and didn't realize that it was manip manipulation because in that, in that instance, it was all about me. And so I had to learn that in therapy. And then one of my exes told me years after we broke up, she said, you know, Leon, you're very selfish. Okay. And I was like, so I didn't realize I was never told I was selfish until I was 46 years old. Wow. And then wow. at 47, my ex-girlfriend told me I was selfish. And I was like, because wow. narcissistic people, the love bombing phase, right? Mm -hmm. I'm doing things to get you to see me a certain way. Yeah. So I'm doing it for me. I'm not really doing it for you. And when mm -hmm. she said, Leon, you selfish, I was like, I didn't. So in that, that instance, I didn't realize what I was, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't mm -hmm. see it as being selfish because that's too much of a negative word for me. And I didn't like negative titles at all. I needed yeah. her to praise what I was doing. Because mm -hmm. I felt like, I knew I was doing for me. I knew that, but I didn't know that it was a selfish act. I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't say that it was, because I didn't want to hear anything negative about, about it. I didn't. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like you're very kind of hypersensitive to criticism? How would you take feedback in relationships? Now, now, I, oh boy, years ago, uh -uh. Mm -hmm. feedback, mm -hmm. criticism. Oh, no, I did not want, yeah. couldn't hear it. That's why I had to be the best at everything. Because if, if I'm the best, if I'm ranked number one, if I'm sailor of the year, if I'm recruited of the year, if I just got another medal and I got another award, nobody's going to criticize me. Yeah. So the moment did I you feel happy? those things. Uh, did you feel happy with all of that? Do you think the, you feel happiness and contentment? Back then? Yeah. No, I did, but it was short-lived. I noticed that. Yeah. About, now, now, that was something I, I figured out about myself. Yeah. Um, I was like, man, I just won this award, but it was like, like up, down, boom. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I didn't, didn't want to, I never wanted to celebrate birthdays. Mm -hmm. But then when, when I was getting awarded and rewarded, it was like, oh, yes, yeah, powerful. But then the next maybe couple of hours, and my yeah. answers would say, Leon, you know, you you know that was a good job. You still happy about? And I couldn't tell them that. No, I don't feel that anymore. It's gone. Yeah, because it was it was so. There was sometimes some of my awards and my promotions were very very big. Mm -hmm. And I would get it, and then yeah. nothing. Because there's a hole in the bottom of the cup, isn't there? Oh yeah, it was like yeah. Feels good just as it's pouring out the bottom and then it's gone. <laughs> right. And so I never, I didn't, I just started experiencing that until I joined the Navy and started getting awarded. But then it was mm -hmm. like a piece of paper. If it was a big yeah. trophy, moments later, it's like, it didn't mean, it didn't mean, yeah, it was gone. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, that was part of, yeah. But now yeah. I learned to like look at things differently and, be more grateful, you know, because when I started being very successful, narcissistic people are highly successful and highly functioning. When I started being highly successful, it was like I expected it. Okay. And so when I, when people couldn't get to the level that I was on and I saw that they at least thought they could, I would become very 
angry, even with my kids. Mm-hmm. So I said, if I can do it, you should be able to do it. You try to find a way not to do it, but not everybody's like that. I wanted people to be or to get what I got because I showed them how to get it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing it to make them better. I was doing it to say, you know what? I created you, you know? Yeah, an extension of yourself. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because them doing well is you doing well, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 What's your definition of love? So, so I started studying that, right? Mm-hmm. What I found out was that I used to say I love you. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Didn't know what it meant. Didn't yeah. know. <laughs> didn't I have this a, a lot. Narcissists have a lot of words that they use that they don't know what they mean. Yeah, I was like, what the hell does that mean? But see, again, it goes to my childhood. My mm-hmm. father's father never said he loved him. My dad never told me he loved me. Yeah. So he would buy things. We had food. He would buy us clothes for, for school. He'd give us money. Mm-hmm. So to me, love was fabricated through artifacts or money, right? Okay. It wasn't, I didn't understand what love was because my parents got divorced when I was 11. Mm-hmm. We never sat down at dinner and held hands and prayed, never. So I was mm-hmm. absent of God. So I thought the knowledge of God, I was absent. So the love spiritually wasn't there. The love religiously wasn't there. Mm-hmm. The love, you know, I was like, my. so when my family broke up at 11, I didn't care about family no more. I didn't want children. I don't want a wife, any of that. And so yeah. love to me, it just was non-existent. It was nothing. It was like, girls used to tell me when I was talking, Leon, I love you. And I was like, I was looking like, why are you lying to me? Because I couldn't yeah, relate. Okay. I couldn't, yeah, yeah, I couldn't relate to it. It's like yeah. saying, calling me a giraffe. It's like, what the hell is that about? It was mm-hmm. the same thing. There was nothing there. So now my therapist had me think about things that I could like about my girlfriend. I was like, yeah. So my love is like an attachment to something that makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Right? So it could be her yep. ears, it could be her forehead, it could be her nose, it could be her, anything. It's like, okay, I like that right there. Mm-hmm. And, but I was still afraid to say I love it because I'm like, what is? what do I love? So she said, is there anything yeah. you like about it? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, start with that. So that made me okay. more comfortable with Appreciate appreciating her personality, like mm-hmm. her shoulders, her forehead, little things would make me happy enough to say, hey, I like that and you, I appreciate that. So I had to start yeah. way down here, you know, yeah. and then, but I was always afraid to love because it was too much of like a commitment of somebody that can take something away from me. Yeah, okay, that always, makes sense. Oh yeah, I was always, so some people come up through love is love is like automatic. Love is natural. It wasn't natural and automatic for me. I had mm-hmm. to search for what it, what it, what it is. What does it mean? Yeah. And why do we talk about it? Just like mm-hmm. me. Just like me. I'm okay with you. Just like me. Why do we have to go to the next level? You know, mm-hmm. I was <laughs> terrified. I didn't want to be terrified to love as a grown man. I'm yeah. like, this is not cool. Yeah. Do you think you kind of saw it as like relationships and those feelings and uh, like love as more of a transaction? What am I getting from this person? What is this person doing for me? Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. And uh, it it was like, I had to have 
a reason to stick around after. So we go back to the love bombing. Mm-hmm. And when, when narcissistic people love bombing, it's going to fizz out. It's going to yeah. stop. It's going to go away. And then that's when they are in trouble. And then you are in mm-hmm. trouble too, because now you're in love, mm-hmm. not me. Yeah. I'm in lust. Yeah. But I, so our people that are not away. courageous enough to say, yeah, they're not courageous enough to say, hey, uh, I don't like you anymore. So you know what they do? What do they do? They ghost you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the easy way out. Mm-hmm. So talk me through the kind of the discard and then the hoovering. Because they ghost you, but they come back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens is they have to discard you first. Mm-hmm. Or they'll do the reverse discard where mm-hmm. they kind of make you feel that they don't like you. You you admit to it. You're like, hey, Leanne, mm-hmm. I feel you pulling away from me. I don't think you really like me. And I'll deny mm-hmm. it. And so it's on you because you're making this up in your mind, which is the truth. But I'm not going to tell you this yeah. is the truth. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a lie. I know, baby, I'm I'm still here. I like you. I'm, I'm still good. You know, no, no. But I'm slowly pulling away. And the more you say it, then I'll go, okay, well, I'll just leave. And I leave. So yeah. you discarded me and then you want me back. So when I go away and start mm-hmm. dating somebody else, it's not cheating because you discarded me. Yeah. Yeah. So my discard is going to be it has to be when I feel like it could be many ways, many reasons why mm-hmm. it discarded. I feel that you're getting too close to me, right? Okay. I don't want the yeah. love bombing. The love bombing is dying off, so I'm going to go away. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I know that the love bombing was so intense, and I did so many things to you, with you, and for you that I can discard you and come back, and you'll still be there. Because yeah. the majority of the time, women are... Women cheat less Trauma than men. Bonded. People try to say mm-hmm. they cheat more, but I think women cheat less. But anyway, mm-hmm. I know that we have developed, you develop spiritual, let's say you develop mental and physical chemistry with me, right? Mm-hmm. I only develop physical chemistry with you because mentally, emotional chemistry is what you develop. Emotional and mental and physical. Yeah. I've only developed physical chemistry with you. Because I'm emotionally detached, so I don't connect to you. Yeah. Only time I really connect to you is in, in the bedroom. And then after that, it's like, I'm detached. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to fall in love with you. I'm not going to fall in love with me. But I want and need you to fall in love with, with me. So that's mm-hmm. where you come in with the emotional attachment, through mm-hmm. chemistry, through mental attachment, through physical attachment. And I'm yep. safe because I just have a physical attachment because... I can afford to leave, but you don't want me to leave. And that's how I want you to be, not wanting me yeah. to leave. And so when I discard you, I can pull away. But you are not, you are so into me that you can't date anybody else right now. Yeah. Most women can. If you give no, me all of you, we've been back. dating. Exactly. Yeah. And if we've been doing this for six months. We've been monogamous for six months. We have time, right? We mm-hmm. have quality time. We have yeah. memories. You're like, oh my God, this feels amazing. Not to mm-hmm. me, because I came into this knowing that in three to six months, I'm going to be gone. So you yeah. are locked in, but I'm not. And so what happens is I discard you so I can get another supply and do her the same way. Mm-hmm. 
And then what happens is probably possibly a triangulation. Yep. And so I'll come back to you yep. while she's hurting because I got tired of her. It's been three months and you're just waiting for me to come back. You're going to be yep. mad. You're going to be pissed off. You might hit me inside the head, but guess what? You just couldn't wait to see me and smell me and feel me again. <laughs> yeah, it's cruel. It's really shrewd. But yeah. I did that and because that was safe for me. How much of this was conscious? How much it? How much of it? Yeah, how much of it was conscious? Probably. Like, did you feel like you knew what you were doing? Or was it just happening automatically for you? No, no, no. I knew what I was doing based on mm-hmm. my safetyness. Right? Okay. But the the time I didn't know I was what I was doing was when I would not there was no reciprocity. I was like okay. off putting, but I didn't know why I was off putting. But then mm-hmm. I felt like I was I didn't like you as much as I used to like you. So I kind of mm-hmm. knew that I was off putting because I wasn't the same person I was three months ago. Yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> I'm in such denial and I'm gonna project, I'm going to avoid, I'm going to lie so much to where I don't realize what you're saying or what I'm doing. I have to tell myself that. And narcissistic people tell themselves so many things so much so often that you start to believe it. Yeah. So I didn't think that I was wrong. I thought I was just a regular person and you're the one abnormal because you're needy, you're clingy, Mm -hmm. you want my time, you want my space, you want to be around me all the time. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. it became... Your problem. I have been Leon. Yes. I've been all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I created that. When I'm saying you, I'm saying her, right? But I created I that. I created yeah. that. And then what yeah. I want to do is like yep. manufacture. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, what do you mean you out, Leon? We we, we have a relationship. Well, mm-hmm. uh, no. And then, but then I'm like, that's where the ghosting comes in because I can't face yep. you. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the truth. Like, hey. And I, oh my God, I did that a lot. Oh, I just would just disappear. They'd be like, man, what happened? You know, why did you like I'm like, well, I didn't think you liked me, which was a lie. Yeah. Which was. Yeah, you just put it back but on I them. Say, yeah, yeah, because I couldn't say, you know what? I like somebody else or I was getting close to you or mm-hmm. I didn't like you as much. I couldn't, didn't have the heart to say that. I didn't. So they ghost you. And so what that's a, of- this card. Go, on. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just gonna ask what are some of the worst things that you feel like you've done in relationships? Always cheating. Okay. Um starving women of affection. Mm. Um ignoring women, the silent treatment. I could do that for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um misleading them. That was huge for me. Mm-hmm. The deceit, the lying, um, gaslighting, knowing mm-hmm. the truth, knowing that I was wrong, knowing that I got caught, knowing that I shouldn't have said this or done that. Every all the trait, all of the the, the the topics we talk about with narcissism, they're all bad because some mm-hmm. women don't like the silent treatment. Some women don't like ghosting. Some women don't like being deceived or lied to. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. it varies. But anything that I've done to hurt people was wrong. But the yeah. worst thing is cheating. And, you know, I was very risky. So I put my life in danger, then put her life in danger. Sleep with mm-hmm. all the women and, you know, unprotected sex. You know, yeah. well, she didn't deserve that, you know, and then I'm bringing something, possibly bringing something back to her, whether it's an yeah. STD 
or it's a, it's a demonic spirit, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. You know, yeah. I was always jeopardizing somebody. That's a key to me. The, jeopardizing somebody else's life without them even knowing it was wrong. Yeah. Does it you know? feel wrong or do you feel it's intellectually, you know, it's wrong? Yeah. Intellectually, I knew it was wrong. It didn't feel yeah. wrong. Because well, I didn't want now. to. Right. But I didn't want to feel wrong because I knew that I was going to, I knew who I was. I'm going to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to, I don't want to have a guilty conscience because I just didn't want to connect to that. I didn't want to see you cry. I didn't want to see you beg and plead. I'm like, it, it, look, I did it happen. So what? I was so easy. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, so what? It's too bad. Get over it. And I'm going to yeah. hear that noise. I don't want to talk about it, you know, but. I knew that it was wrong. I just didn't want to connect to something that was wrong. And it when we start reconsidering trying to get another supply. Because narcissistic people are very greedy. Yeah. Very greedy. Yeah. Got to yeah. have everything of everything, you know? Yeah. Have their cake and eat it too. Oh, yeah. Have the cake, eat it too. The candles, the fork, the knives. Give it yeah. out to whoever takes it. Back. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... It's interesting you mentioned just before, like seeing someone crying and begging and all that kind of stuff. Did that make you like really viscerally uncomfortable or did you just not care? Well, it, so it made me angry, horny, and then I didn't care. Interesting. Horny. Yeah, so, Why? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> just the power and control, the domination. The power and control. But yeah. what took me to another level mentally was that if I made her cry for whatever reason. And I hug her and kiss her, and she kisses me back. That was like, it was almost like, <clears throat> I can't even just, ex- ex- I can't describe that feeling. And mm-hmm. I know it sounds like, man, this is weird, but I kept doing it. And I kept needing yeah. it. Because I became addicted to watching a woman cry and then saying, I can't believe you did this. And, just blah, 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 blah. and then mm-hmm. hug her, and she hugged me back, and I kiss her, and then she just melts in my arms. So I'm like, and that's a whole different level of intimacy. Yeah, and I mean, that's what causes the trauma bond is the extreme stress and the cortisol and then the repair and you get the oxytocin and dopamine. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. all of that. And then, you know, the dopamine is being released and Mm -hmm. all of that. And so it was like, wow. And so now, then I say, well, if I keep doing this, she's going to become closer and closer and closer to me. So when it's time to leave, because I'm going to leave, it's going to be hard to get away from her. But I was addicted to making her cry. But then um, I didn't, well, so if I went to hug her and kiss her and she didn't hug and kiss me, now I get mad because I didn't want to hear the crying. So now there's no sex involved. So Mm -hmm. now I don't get, I don't, I don't get to connect with my addiction to her crying and having sex. So now I'm like angry because she, Although I was wrong and I made her cry, now she took away my desire to have sex with her while she was crying. Mm-hmm. So, ain't a turned on horny. So now you're now, not getting anything out of it. Yeah, now you're right. Mad. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's now it's like, I'm mad. yeah, yeah. And so yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what led you to actually getting diagnosed? So what happened was. We were on a <clears throat> we were on a ship in the Persian Gulf, okay. and the ship had got the ship had got hit by two missiles. Thirty seven men got killed. My mm-hmm. ship 
was tasked to go to that ship to get the survivors and help rescue the ship. The ship was 100 and it was 453 feet long and 140 feet wide. And it carried 283 men. 37 men were killed and the ship was sinking. So my fire team went over there to get the bodies. They were already dead. We put out mm-hmm. one fire, then we had to put bodies in body bags. We picked up wow. fingers, feet, hands, wow. pulled people's mask off, face come off. Bodies were burned to death, 37. Wow. And so I stayed on that ship in the Persian Gulf for 12 hours. Was that traumatizing for you? I always knew something was wrong. Yeah, very. Right, very. It was. So okay. my PTSD started that day. Yeah. But I didn't get diagnosed with PTSD until 27 years later. So not only did wow. I have narcissistic personality disorder, but I had severe PTSD, but I wasn't treated for the PTSD. I was treated. Wow. So once we got the bodies and saved the ship, we were sent to see my first psychiatrist for that mm-hmm. traumatic incident. But when mm-hmm. we got to the psychiatrist, I don't remember how the conversation changed, but it went to talking about my childhood. Because me, me picking up dead bodies, that was the first time ever. And we were walking over dead bodies and carrying them and putting their bodies back for 12 hours. So I was around burnt flesh. I was around blood and guts. All, we just like was sitting right there with it yeah. for 12 hours. So yeah. I said, I said, this is not normal because I didn't feel anything. Yeah, that's why I asked before if it was traumatizing, if you felt anything. Most narcissistic people have PTSD too, so I'll tell you more. Yeah. But So I'm sitting there amongst these dead bodies and there was no fear, there was no emotion, mm. there was no nothing. I was like... Mm. And then we went to see... When we pulled into Baha Rain in the Middle East, Mm-hmm. We went to see the Centers to see psychiatrists. Then we put it to San Diego or Hawaii, then psychiatrists in San Diego. So instead of talking about the traumatic events that happened on that ship and those dead men, mm-hmm. I chose to talk about my childhood and my parents and my parents' divorce and my anger issues and being molested and all this stuff and sent to live with mm-hmm. somebody and going through almost going to the foster care and being addicted mm-hmm. to porn and losing my virginity at eight years old. I started talking to yeah. the doctor about that. And this was probably eight, nine years after they started diagnosing people with narcissism. I got okay. di- diagnosed and it was like separated from that traumatic incident, but it was connected to my childhood. And mm-hmm. how, and I said, doc, I don't feel things a certain way. I don't, I had a girlfriend then and I just walked away from, it was just, but I was, the, 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 the crazy part of, no pun intended, the crazy part about it for me was that I was still able to function in the Navy, not just with my narcissism, but my severe PTSD. And I wasn't even treated for PTSD until I was 46. This happened in my 20s. So -hmm. there's no medicine for narcissistic personality disorder. It's just talk. But there's all types of serotonin um, pills for for PTSD. It's um, sertraline, prazosin, prazosin, whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, right? And so I didn't get any of that until 28 years later. But Mm -hmm. I was still functioning in the Navy. And one of my psychiatrists said, 
I don't even know how you're still alive. That's what she said to me. Mm. Wow. wow. Yeah. And so I was like, so things weren't a big deal to me because yeah. that's why my narcissism, the lack of empathy, the lack of love, lack of caring, all this stuff. When I was on that ship, I told Doc, I said, it's like those dead guys weren't even there, but they were yeah. there. So I, I kind of, some kind of way I separated myself from emotions then. Mm. And so when we started talking about the, the dead bodies, all that stuff, it shifted to my childhood. Well, maybe, you know, tell me about your parents. Tell me. And that's when everything started coming out. Wow. And so my childhood was, and then I didn't learn it. I didn't even know, Claire, that I was abused neglected and abused until I was 46. So I didn't connect with abusing others at all. I didn't connect with neglecting my girlfriends at Mm -hmm. all, but I was very neglectful. And you know who else was neglectful? My dad. Yeah. To my mother. Right. Yeah. I learned that in therapy. I didn't, I didn't know these things. So when you ask a question, was it conscious or did you know some things I knew, some things I didn't know. And as yeah. an adult, I should have. But if you have NPD, you don't know. Mm-hmm. So somebody yeah. says, hey, let's talk about this and talk there. That's why mm-hmm. most narcissistic people don't realize that they're neglecting and abusing because they were neglected and abused as a child, but they don't yeah. connect that. It's like, yeah. well, my childhood is my child. So they disconnect from their childhood, not knowing that they're still the little kid 10, 15, yeah. 20, 30 years later. And they still yeah. doing what was done to them 30 years ago. Yeah. Yep. And there's also that um, continuous rewriting of the way that things have happened in order to self-protect from the shame inside, right? So right. they're not going to look at it and go, right. yeah, I'm abusing you. They're going to go, well, no, it's actually your fault because you did X, Y, Z, et cetera, and just blame shift it away anyway. Always. I always had to yeah. blame shift because I didn't want to connect with my childhood anymore. Until yeah. I went to therapy. And that's when I was like, mm-hmm. and I've started feeling better though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because because I was so ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. But my childhood, it, my childhood is what was ruling me emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. that's what was guiding me. But like you mentioned earlier. Safety and survival for who I had become mm-hmm. was safe for me. So I had to continue being Leon, narcissistic. Yeah. That was safe for me. Anything, yeah. anything outside of NPD was unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, how, how, how can you say that? Having NPD is not safe. It was for me. It is for me. Well, NPD is all about self-protecting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if you don't have NPD, you're like, people think I'm crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I'm just, it, it happened. I have a personality disorder. And this is how yeah. I think I, I operate. But through therapy, I could say, I could say, oh, wait, let me try this over here. Let mm. me try this over here. My doctor said this. Oh, oh mm, okay. All right, that's cool. So it's always about protecting myself, mm-hmm. avoiding, not want to be hurt again, mm. afraid of, you know, falling in love. The hell with empathy. I don't need to have empathy. I'm good. You can have empathy if you want to. You're crazy. 
And I thought people that had empathy was crazy, you know? Yeah. I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. You could be safe and happy off. like me without you know? Just turn it off. <laughs> right. Just turn it off. Right. Exactly. So at this point, you had the incident on the ship and then you spoke to a psychiatrist about your childhood. Did that psychiatrist suggest NPD at that time or did that come later down the track? They, they suggested at that time. So what happens wow. is they kind of like ease it in because sometimes yeah. they tell people, it's like, what the hell, you know? Because uh-huh. before that, though, my everybody teased me about my mother being crazy. They used to call my mother crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so I had a lot of my, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of my mother's traits. So when he told me, when I got my diagnosis, I was like, I thought then I'm legit crazy. Because you, you hear the diagnosis, you get the diagnosis, that therapy, my therapy was that summer, no, that spring, summer, fall, and winter. Mm-hmm. But then you get it, and it's like, so you try your best to outdo the diagnosis. Okay. So somebody can say, you know what, Claire, you are schizophrenic. That's mm-hmm. something bad to, you don't want to hear that. So what are you going to yeah. do? You can try your best to not be schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. But my battle was, uh, I don't, I don't want to have NPD, so I'll become highly successful. But not knowing that's a trait of an over narcissist <laughs> or most narcissists, you know. So I was like going back deeper into it instead yeah. of instead of healing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, yeah. I went deeper into it by being highly, uh, uh, extremely motivated, highly successful, mm-hmm. highly functioning. Which is a trait of narcissism because I had, yeah. I was afraid of not being successful and I needed mm-hmm. that grandiose type of mind. Look at me, look what I'm doing. I had to have people yep. show me. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I wanted to be, I thought that I could work my way out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that wasn't the case. Yeah. Instead, I worked my way into it deeper. And then I became yeah. more arrogant, more cocky, mm-hmm. more self serving mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, like, I reverse engineered it, but I, did something. I was just going backwards, but going forward. And so I got out of the Navy when I got, when I, when I, when I answered the happened, I got my diagnosis. I left. I got out the Navy. So I didn't run. Really? But I came back in 77 days later. Okay. But it wasn't something that disqualified me from coming in because I still had the scores. I still was healthy and all this other stuff. So I came back yeah. in. And then I was even more successful. So I still mm-hmm. knew that I had this personality, this disorder. All I heard was disorder, yeah. disorder. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so I tried to run from it by engulfing myself into the military. But when I did that, I was moving further away from being intimate with my girlfriend. Right. So I was okay. trying to make myself super superior, super powerful, super strong. But mm-hmm. I was becoming weaker in my relationship. Mm-hmm. So okay. again, the trace of narcissism, avoiding being mostly detached, lacking empathy, they started to build. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I started to build over here in the military to get that look at me type of, you know, egocentric attitude. And it was just like, oh, let me choose one. And it wasn't to be intimate it was to have empathy it was to yeah. be in love it wasn't to yeah. be caring at all yeah 
So how did you get to the point where you're at now? You got out of the military. You started so to get treatment. Yeah. I came Tell back in. That. I came back in and then um I was still just going through like going through like going through like highly functioning awards, promotions, medals, ribbons, money. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's just like, I want this job, I want that job, because it was like I was chasing the glory until yeah. August of 2014, I saw my second or third psychiatrist. Wow. And then okay. December, December 2014, I had to go see another psychotherapist. The odd thing about that is I don't even remember why I went there. Have no clue, no recollection, okay. none at all. But I went, and then in, and I left, walked out of their offices. And so, in the military, we're held accountable. When you start therapy um, for NPD or PTSD for yeah. uh, issues, you have to complete it. Okay. And if you don't complete it, they report it. Mm-hmm. If they report it. You can get in trouble. So if okay. it's a if it's a guy that has that's sent to go to anger management classes and he fails anger management classes, you can mm-hmm. be discharged from the military. So okay. military members are wow. held accountable when it comes to therapy. So mm-hmm. when I walked into that psychotherapist office and walked out, she sent the email to my job, and I was a senior leader. So when I walk back into my job, they go, hey, uh, you need to go back to the hospital. I'm like, what? Yeah, she's, Dr. Souza said you need to come back over there because you have a psychotherapy appointment at, at 10 o'clock and you went there and you walked out. I was like, mm-hmm. so yeah, we get held accountable. Yeah. I had never known what a psychotherapist was. <clears throat> I think the only people that can diagnose is a psychiatrist and a psychotherapist. I yeah. think. I know yeah, a psychotherapist is one that can diagnose. I think it's like mm-hmm. a, right. And so I kept walking in and walking out. And then the second time they reported me, and I was like, oh. and so when I started my retirement physical, <clears throat> January 2014, there's a checklist. So every time you go see the dentist, the neurologist, chiropractor, ear, nose, and throat, all these people. They mm. sign off, sign up, sign up. So I got mm. my form back and I went to turn it in so they can start my retirement uh, paperwork so that I can retire mm-hmm. and get paid. So she looked at the form. She said, um, <clears throat> you need to go back and get the psychiatrist to sign up on your paperwork. And I was like, well, can you sign it for me? <laughs> She's like, no, <laughs> Mr. Walker, go back to the hospital. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, I don't want to go back. <laughs> Because I knew, Claire, I knew was what was about to happen. Yeah. Because I said, they already emailed said I walked out of therapy. So I went back. And to answer your question, I stayed. January mm-hmm. 2014, I stayed in therapy. And that's when it started to change for me. Wow. That's when I started my clarity and my gaining clarity and awareness. Like, mm-hmm. oh, because at that point, I was a senior leader. I had 31 and a half years in. I was making $120,000 a year. We had people working for me. I was on top of the world. So you really think yeah. I want to go sit with a psychiatrist once a week for a whole hour 
and I'm already yeah. thinking I'm the best guy in the military around here. Yeah. No, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. So it was like going there every week, like, I don't want to be awesome. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but what happened was I liked my therapist. She was cool. Mm. Wow. And she made me yeah. connect with my mother. And without her, yeah. I probably would have reconnected with my mother. I have a mother's ashes here now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I reconnected with her. And, um, Wow. That was, that's how it went. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really powerful. So, so what led you into educating yeah, about narcissism? Go on. Huh? Go on. What were you saying? People can go into therapy, but it doesn't mean anything if they don't do anything with it. And I was one of those people yeah. too. Yeah. But what were you 100%. saying? percent. No, I was just asking uh, what led to educating about narcissism. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that's a whole, that's a lot of stories to me. Claire. So what happened was I was dating a nurse mm-hmm. that was well versed in narcissism. And okay. I didn't tell she her I didn't tell her anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I didn't tell her anything about it. She's like, Leon, let me ask you a question. I was like, what? She's like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <clears throat> and so she said, um, why don't you start doing videos about narcissism? I was like, oh hell no. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. We were dating, having a good time, and having, but she had already had me paid, and I didn't yeah. even know. So she kind of, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, why did you tell me you knew? She's like, well, I'm like, oh. so I knew then that was the beginning of the end because mm-hmm. even though I had therapy, I hadn't dated with mm-hmm. after therapy to to see if I was really ready to date. Yeah, and then I got okay. with her and I wasn't ready, and she called me out and she said, mm-hmm. well, why don't you start doing videos on? And I was like. Okay. So I didn't think it was a big deal, Claire. This yeah. is in 2021. Oh, I didn't wow. even know that it was trending. Narcissism. It's recent. I didn't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because what happens is when you get, so when I was diagnosed mm-hmm. with severe PTSD in 2018, mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it. So if people mm-hmm. are sociopaths, psychopaths, or have MPD, they don't talk about it. It's like, no. uh Who's going to catch me now? Who's going to talk about me now? When is it going to pop, you know? And so yeah. I said, all right, I'll, I'll do a video. So I did a video and it went viral. Wow. Okay. In June, yeah, June of 2021. I had never had a video go viral. So I did wow. the video. I did it. Boop, and I posted it, right? And I went to bed. Phone started ringing. And I'm like, what the hell? Hey, Leon, congratulations. Your video went viral. I'm like, what video? I didn't, it was no big wow. deal to me. I yeah. just had Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. and I didn't even have YouTube. Wow. So then I got these calls and calls and calls, and I looked at the video, and it was like 100,000, and then 300,000, and 400,000, and 500,000. Wow, yeah. And celebrities yep. started getting it. Beyonce's mother got the video. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And reposted wow. it. It just kept going. I was like, wow. So I didn't yeah. think of it. So my girlfriend called me and said, hey, you know, um, the next time you post a video like that, you should let me know. I said, well, it was your idea. Again, I was like deflecting, projecting, Deflecting like, and blessing. I said, it was your idea. <laughs> yeah. And so I banged her again. And she's like, Leon, I said, but you knew about narcissism. But she didn't know what I knew about narcissism. Yeah. She so, had the lived experience. Exactly. Right. And so yeah. I, and I just kept doing videos and it was like, another one went viral. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Let me just keep doing something. 
Yeah. And so yeah. I just kept doing it because they just so easy for the videos are very easy for me to do because I mm -hmm. I got so much stuff. You know, let me show you something. And so I just I did it and um it just kept going. So I did another one and did another one. This is all the stuff that I you can't see it, but this yeah. is a list of there's a list of things that I talk about that have they haven't even mm -hmm. talked about yet. Yeah. It's like a hundred different yeah. topics. And so yeah, um that's how it happened. And I just kept doing videos and then it was like it was rough at first because people like, you can hope you go to hell. I hope you rot in hell, Leon. Yeah. Next day, you die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of savage bad. comments online. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was bad. And I was like, because when I started doing the videos, it was still, I was still very egotistical because now I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. I got to do the viral because of my NPD. Oh, this is cool. You got but supply out oh. of it, right? Talking about it, you got I supply online. Yeah. 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 Because Women are still attracted to that stuff. It's weird to me. So mm -hmm. that's how it happened, Claire. And I just kept doing it. Here we are now. You know, That's amazing. So what advice would you give to someone who is thinking that they might have NPD? They're starting to have some questions about themselves. Right. So you can call the hotline in the U.S. It's 988. You can call mm -hmm. the hotline. And that's like a, it's a crisis hotline. But you can say, hey, mm -hmm. I, I've been reading up on narcissistic personality disorder and I'm struggling with this. I need to see a doctor, psychiatrist, psychotherapist, psychiatrist, whatever, tomorrow. Um, okay, they'll got to be, call the crisis hotline number, um, talk to somebody, reach out to me. Uh, I'm not, mm -hmm. I can't diagnose people. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. dare do that. Uh, but mm -hmm. I would say, hey, call the crisis hotline, go check mm -hmm. into the nearest hospital. Uh, and tell them what you're feeling, how you're thinking, mm -hmm. what you think, uh, and they'll sit you down with somebody one-on-one. -on -one, they'll screen you, and they'll get you to start mm -hmm. working on you. There are no pills mm -hmm. for this. It's, it's all talk therapy. Um, but you yeah. have to stay into it. Yeah, you have to stay into it. You have to want mm -hmm. it. You have to want to be. You have to be open to it. You have to be very, yeah. very receptive, Claire, because you know you go in there. You're gonna have to. They're gonna take you back to your childhood. And I was like, oh hell no. Uh, no, I don't want that. Uh, no. And so yeah. I finally said, okay, let's let's talk about my childhood. Let's talk about my mother. Let's talk about forgiveness. So mm -hmm. in therapy, you have to do homework too. Yeah. Yeah. She said, I I'm gonna I'm gonna enroll you in intensive in care. I was like, intensive in care? Patient? What? I'm like, yeah. wait, I'm gonna be gone for months. She's like, no, yeah. you can go home. But you gotta come here every day, you know, yeah. And so yeah, um, but the crisis in in America, there's a crisis hotline nine eight eight that they can call. I don't know about Australia's a crisis hotline. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But if yeah. people in the states see, see this video, um, yeah. The the, the number is nine eight eight, and then you tell them how you're feeling, and they go from yeah. there. You could be narcissistic. You might be, be you might have BPD. You might be mm. uh, psychopath, sociopath, schizophrenic, whatever. Yep. PTSD. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. so just at least say, hey, that's what I'm feeling. And then um, get some help. It's okay. Because just because when you get help, that makes you strong. It doesn't mean you're weak at all. Yeah, 100%. So, Leon, what are your social media handles? Where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me on uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Leon R. Walker Jr. My website is www.leonrobertwalkerjr.com. And if they Google me, I'm in there with my books. 
my retirement mm-hmm. ceremony, my interviews. Okay. They Google me, I'll pop right up. Yep. Awesome. Leon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Claire, for having me. I appreciate it. We can do it again if you want to. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy this series, leaving a review helps others find the podcast. For more insights and resources, you can visit ClaireOrden.com or follow me on TikTok and Instagram at ClaireOrden. Stay safe and see you again in the next episode.